Hey everybody, this is Logan. We're back with the Toe Meets Lair podcast. I'm here with a bunch of assholes. We gotta go really fast. Yeah, Sonic, go fast. Da 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 da. Tommy, Artem, Andrew. All right, picks week two. Let's do this. All right, first off, we got Louisville at UNC. Louisville's getting a ten point advantage, uh, going on the road because UNC really sucked balls against Cal. Uh, Nigel, who is not here, sent in his picks. He's got Louisville. Tommy, who do you got in this matchup? Louisville. All right. Artem, who do you got? Louisville. All right. Andrew, am I to assume that you also have Louisville? Yeah, but I think UNC covers. Ooh, really? Okay. Yeah. I think it's going to turn into a shootout, in all honesty. I don't think either of them can play defense very well. Uh, based on what we saw last week, I think that's a fair assumption, considering Louisville struggled against Purdue, of all people, and having it at home for UNC might make it an interesting game. It is. I, I think you're, and I think you're going to see Chaz Surratt start at quarterback. Um, if Fedora plays musical quarterbacks again, then UNC's in for a long season. Well, I mean, we, based on what we saw week one, UNC is in for a long season one way or the other. All right. Game two, the backyard something or other pit at Penn state. Uh, Penn state is getting 22 points in this matchup which I don't think is unreasonable based on week one's uh, showing. Andrew, who do you have in this matchup? I think Pitt will cover the spread, but I don't think it'll be close. I mean, I think I think Penn State will win by at least two touchdowns, but 22 is a, is a big spread. Uh, you know, Pitt looked terrible against Youngstown State, especially in the second half where they let them come back and they needed overtime. You know, uh, but again, I think 22 is a huge spread. I think Penn State wins by two touchdowns, but I think Pitt covers the spread. Oh, and before I go to Artem, I forgot to point out, for those of you who are gamblers and want to know what our record is, Andrew and Tommy picked 10 out of 18 games correctly week one. Uh, Artem and I picked 8 out of 10 games correctly week week one. And Nigel, uh, despite automatically losing two games for sending in his pick late still got nine out of 18 games correct so go figure artem knowing your record now and that you're worse than tommy and andrew at everything uh who do you pick in the pit and penn state game penn state just flat out yep all right tommy i'd say they i'd say they're gonna put up more than 22 on them more than 22 over Okay, do you agree, Tommy? Yeah, and as much as I think Pitt's playing the long game because they do hate Penn State so much, I think they just sucked week one just to lull them into a false sense of security. I still don't think they have the uh, the athletes to keep up with Penn State um, just replacing too much uh, at Pitt. I am also, Mainly James Conner. Yeah, I'm also picking Penn State. I'm not taking a gamble on the spread because that could really go either way when you've got such a big – spread but uh i think penn state's gonna win at the end of the day nigel also picking penn state so i think that's the fair side to go on next up we've got auburn at clemson clemson uh coming off of a pretty easy week one auburn beating up on georgia southern clemson's getting four and a half points at home so actually barely expected to win this at a neutral site uh tommy who do you got 
I think Clemson wins it, and I don't think it's close. I think Auburn being ranked at 13 is kind of a joke. I think they're in for a rude awakening here. Um, Clemson, uh, I think the warm-up game last week is what they needed. Um, I think they're comfortable with who they are and what they're going to play, and I think they're going to that defense is going to stomp on Auburn, um, and they're just going to run circles. And four and a half points, I mean, I – Personally, I'm putting the spread at uh, Penn State pit levels of 22-plus points. Okay. Artem, you're an SEC guy. Are you as confident as Tommy that Auburn's going to fall apart? <laughs> no, I think it's a one-touchdown game, but I think Clemson wins it. Okay. Fair enough. Andrew, where do you stand on the matter? I'm with Tommy on this one. We didn't really learn much in week one, but I think it being at home – is a great thing for Kelly Bryant, the the young quarterback at Clemson. I just, I, I'm I've never been impressed really by Auburn. I think they get the benefit of the doubt a lot more than they really deserve. You know, will they be a good team this year? Probably, but I think going into Death Valley, especially with Jared Stidham, who yeah, he started some games in Waco at Baylor, but I mean, Death Valley is a hard place to play. It's loud. They're angry. It's a night game. They're all going to be drunk as hell. I, I just don't I don't see them Auburn being able to go in, especially if Cam Petway, the running back, is still hurt. I think they're going to be in for a very long night. Funny how Auburn has to play in two Death Valleys this year. That's going to suck. I am also picking Clemson. Really has nothing to do with my stance on whether or not uh, which team is better or anything. My Bama roots won't allow me to cheer for Auburn. I can't pick them. So Clemson it is. Nigel has also picked Clemson for anyone keeping track at home. All right. Next up, we've got uh, the supposed University of Georgia going on the road north of the Mason-Dixon for the first time in Lord knows how long to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is getting four and a half points at home. Surprisingly close, considering Georgia just lost their quarterback. Uh, Andrew, starting with you, who do you got in this matchup? You know, the way you feel about Auburn is the way I feel about Georgia. I really can't pick them to win. I honestly think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. Georgia's really, really talented on defense, but Jake Fromm's going to be going in his first road start in, you know, the one of the temple meccas of college football that is Notre Dame Stadium. You know, I think Georgia's going to want to try to establish the run, and I think it's really going to hinge on whether or not they can do that. If Notre Dame's able to shut them down, which, I mean, Notre Dame gave up a lot of yards to Temple, and Temple I don't think is very good. Then I think Notre Dame's got a chance. But if, if Georgia's able to get up there and get the run game established, I think they're going to win it. You know, it's a four-and-a-half-point spread. It really should be a – you know, so it means neutral side, Notre Dame's one-and-a-half. You know, uh, I don't really want to pick this game. <laughs> <laughs> Should we come back to you? Is that what we're going to have to do? Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know what? I think Notre Dame wins it because they're at home. All right. Well, you did bring up a good point. Uh, I'm not sure if Artem is going to think about it or not, but Frommianism, while great in theory, has never been successfully implemented on a large scale. So, Artem, what's your thought? Are you a Frommianist? Do you believe in them going, taking it to Notre Dame? I guess I am. I think Georgia's going to win it and upset Notre Dame at home. Okay. Well, that was very succinct. Tommy, what are your thoughts? 
You know, it is a four and a half point spread, but the money line has Notre Dame at a uh, hundred minus one hundred and ninety, which is basically two to one odds if you uh, take the straight bet, which is a lot higher than a four and a half point spread. So Vegas is very confident that Notre Dame's going to win this. Um, but um, I, I just I don't see Notre Dame having the horsepower to actually keep up with them. Um, and with Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle both back for UGA this year, um, I don't think Fromm's going to have an issue. You can just hand the ball off and get comfortable. And he threw some pretty um, on-the-money passes uh, coming in essentially cold this past week. Um, so I, I, personally, I think it's a, I think Fromm is a step up from Jason, Jacob Eason for Georgia Bulldogs. So I think they're going to be uh, in good shape here. And as much as it pains me, um, I think they beat Notre Dame. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, Niojul and I are staying true to our roots and picking Notre Dame for one reason or another. That's a, that's a tough one. That's not a fun one. Anyway, next up, we've got Stanford at USC in the classic case of this game is really happening in week two. Uh, Stanford obviously coming back from Australia in week zero, beating up on Rice. USC had a bit of a struggle against Western Michigan, uh, but I think both but they possibly could have been looking ahead to this game. So there's a lot of thought that goes into this. USC is at home. They're getting six and a half. So probably more than a field goal at a neutral site. Tommy, what are your thoughts? Stanford, USC. You know, it's funny that USC is getting a six and a half because in the FPI, there are only 40% chance of winning, which shows you that, uh, Vegas and ESPN disagree on who they think is going to win this game. Um, I think it all comes down to um, Sam Darnold and Ronald Jones and whether they can actually put their uh, passing offense together or not. Uh, If they can throw the ball well, they'll beat Stanford. But if they have to run the ball, um, they're not going to win this game. That being said, the two interceptions that Darnold threw uh, week one against Western Michigan, I think is going to be a big wake-up call. I think they come out and – you know, start to prove that they they've earned that top 10 ranking uh, preseason. And uh, I think the Trojans get it done um, and start to solidify themselves in the Pac-12 South. Uh, I think Stanford is going to win it in a close one. I think a lot of people don't realize that even though Stanford stomped all over Rice last week, uh, they were actually pretty bad at throwing the ball. Um, their highest quarterback completion rate was 58%. They had all three quarterbacks in. I do think Stanford's going to win it just because they were that confident against Rice. A third quarterback they put in was their youngest guy, and that was the guy they were the most excited about out of all three. It looks like the other two dudes were just placeholders to win games until that, you know, Costello comes up. Costello is the one that they think is like, uh, um, uh, Palmer for, for the Cardinals. Um, but I think they're going to win it. I think they have a bigger line. Uh, it just, the score depends on how well they're able to pass against the uh, the USC secondary because I think that's going to be a lot tougher than throwing against Rice. All right. Andrew? I, I agree with Arden, but I agree for different reasons. I think Stanford's going to want to come out and try to run the ball. Uh, you know, USC really struggled defending the run against Western Michigan. And Stanford, we know, is pretty much offensive line U. I mean, they've done a fantastic job of 
building a really strong offensive line. And yes, we're going to try to do with Bryce Love and Cameron Scarlett. They're really going to try to just punch USC in the mouth, I think is what we're going to see. They're going to try to establish the run. And I think if they can do it, I think USC is going to be in for a long day. Because like I said, they struggled to to stop Western Michigan, who doesn't have the hog mollies up front that Stanford does. I also think that this is going to be a preview of the Pac-12 championship game that we're going to get in December. Because I think both these teams, in my mind, are the favorites in their divisions. It's certainly a recurring theme in the Pac-12 for Stanford and USC to be the big matchup in year in, year out. Uh, Nigel has got USC. I don't have the reasons listed. I'm just signing with Stanford based off the week one performances. I mean, if I'm just going off that, Stanford looks like they're going to run all over them. I don't know that USC's defense can stand up to that, but we'll see. Be honest, Logan. You're a little biased in this one. Why? Because of your love for Stanford and their tree. (laughs) Tree, tree, motherfucker. I don't know, man. So, but I figured everybody would be with me. I'm just disappointed. Uh, I'm disappointed in some of us. Anyway, next up, Boise State at Washington State. uh, Because there's only so many Pac-12 games we can pick. So Boise State going on the road. Washington State's got a ten point, or a ten point favorite in this game. Ni- uh, Why did I say Nigel? Nigel's got Washington State. Andrew, are you with Nigel or are you are you with the communists? I am. I think Nigel State, not Nigel State, Washington State, is going to win this game. You know they finally shook off the monkey on their back last week when they beat Montana State because as we know Washington State two years in a row has lost to an FCS team to start the season you know they finally shook that off and Boise State really struggled with Troy you know Troy I think is going to be a pretty good Sunbelt team but Mike Leach and Mike Leach and Washington State is a completely different monster you know I think they're going to come out and like Leach does run the air raid and, and be able to throw it pretty much at will all over the field where they want to get the Boise State team that have a down year for Boise State. Fair enough. I mean, I'm always disappointed to hear that the Big Blue is doing badly. I know that's not really their nickname, but I like to think it is. Uh, Artem, what's your what's your thoughts? Uh, I'm going Washington State on this one. I think uh, Boise State is who I usually go with, but they looked really shaky against Troy last week. All right, Tommy. Yeah, they definitely struggled a lot more against the pass um, from Troy than the rushing, um, which is never a good sign when you play Washington State or any Mike Leach team for that matter. Um, I think Washington State – uh, continues their run of putting over 300 passing yards on a team uh, and wins this one. Um, I think they beat the spread, too. I think it's a two-touchdown game. Okay, fair enough. I also have Washington State, so we're all good on that one. So I'm going to skip over the South Florida matchup and go straight to the Holy War. That's, that's the reaction I expected to get. Anyway, BYU at Utah. So Utah's only getting a point and a half in this matchup, which is surprising considering we just came off of a game where BYU didn't cross the 50-yard line. 
So we haven't seen that much to impress, and we haven't seen Utah at all. We just haven't seen anything impressive out of BYU. Tommy, what are your thoughts? Which Mormon group is going to come out on top? So I do want to point out that even though uh, Utah is getting the uh, – or, yeah, Utah is getting the one-and-a-half point spread, uh, ESPN's FPI has BYU um, favored at a 52-48 uh, favorability to win. So once again, uh, craziness going on. Um but, you know, they're showing against Portland State and they're showing against LSU is just not inspiring. Um, you know, they're averaging 10 points a game right now, which uh, you're not going to beat Utah scoring uh, 10 points a game. Uh, so I think Utah wins. Um, I think this red of one and a half is a joke. I think this is a 10-point-plus game um, win by Utah. All right. Fair enough. Artem, do you feel any differently? I'm going with BYU. Um, I don't think they're going to get embarrassed two weeks in a row. Uh, I think their coach does uh, promote them having fun as being the number one thing during a football game, and I don't think they had that last game. Um, I think their wide receivers dropped a lot of balls, and there's going to be a lot of change from last week to this week. So I, I think they're going to win it, but I, I really do think it's going to be a close game. So I'll go BYU. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Andrew, do you do you disagree with Artem because he's wrong? <laughs> so the game's being played actually at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, which is BYU's, which if you ever get a chance to go out there, they're some of the nicest fans I've ever met. They're really polite and really friendly. I don't think it's going to matter. Um, I think Utah, kind of like Tommy's saying, Utah's going to come in and really kind of establish themselves and, and win this game fairly handily. You know, I think I think BYU will show a little bit better offensively than they did against LSU, but Utah is a team that's definitely very good defensively. You know, Kyle Whittingham really prides himself on that, and I think, you know, they've they've built a pretty solid program in Utah after their transition to the Pac-12. Yeah, my apologies, I didn't pick up on that. For some reason, I thought it was at Utah. Anyway, uh, either way, Nigel and I both have Utah winning this matchup. I just haven't seen enough proof out of BYU yet, and I do expect Utah to retain some of what they had last year, if not be exactly the same. But we'll see how things play out in the long run. You got something else? Sir? Well, in, in your defense, the two stadiums are like half an hour apart. <laughs> well, I guess so that... Provo and Salt Lake are fairly close to each other. They've still got a 419 tickets available. We could go. That would be a fun game. Uh I mean, we'd have to fly to Utah. Yeah. Or drive, I guess, technically. And we'd have to pretend. And those tickets are really expensive. And we'd have to pretend to be Mormoned. That's a lot. I mean, you got to imagine, like, everyone in the state of Utah wanted to go to this game. Surprising. Well, I don't know. It's 77. I've seen some Alabama tickets go for, like, 200 bucks for, like, playing the little children of the poor. Okay, anyway. You gotta realize that going for them and going for us is different. Going for us, it's like Tommy may take his wife with him, like for fun to see the stadium and explore. For going for them is take their three wives, their seven <laughs> kids to a game. You can't pay for that many tickets. Uh, fair enough. I don't know where you get. I don't. Know, I gotta figure out where all these Mormons are getting all these wives from. Anyway, moving on. Person, we. Are, Still trying to pick games here. Personal matchups. So I know a few of us uh, 
have a, quite a few personal games, but I'm going to start with Andrew. I believe you only have one personal game to pick. I believe you're on mute right now. Yes, yes, sorry. Um, I do have one personal game to pick, and it's it's what I have colloquially termed the Nerd Bowl, which is Northwestern at Duke in Durham. Uh, I think that Northwestern wins this game. Uh, yeah, Duke blew out NC Central, but they pretty much do that on the regular. I think Clayton Thorson has really grown into the starting quarterback job in Northwestern. They obviously have Josh Jackson, who's a fantastic running back. And was bottled up a little bit, but I think that Northwestern is just too talented offensively, and Duke's not going to be able to score as you know score as much. God, I sound like John Madden. Score more points, <laughs> going to win the game. But you know, Daniel Jones, quarterback at Duke, and going into second season as a starter, has made some strides. But I just I don't think Duke has the weapons to stay with Northwestern and, and win this game. The older we become, Northwestern is a three-point favorite at Duke. The older we become, the more we turn into John Madden. Funny how that works out. Yeah, Northwestern's a three-point favorite. I, I believe since Duke's the better one in math, though, I thought. Northwestern's more of a writing school. We'll see how they figure it. They play out. All right, Artem. You've got at least two. So why don't you go ahead and read them off to me? At TCU, Arkansas, and A&M versus Nickel State. Uh, TCU Arkansas went to overtime last year. Uh, Arkansas beat them at home by their skinny quarterback pushing two people into the end zone. So this year it's at Arkansas. I think Arkansas is a type of school that if they keep winning against somebody, they keep winning against somebody. And if they keep losing against somebody, they're going to keep losing. Uh, they beat TCU last year at their house. I think uh, Arkansas is going to beat TCU again this year, uh, this time in their own house just because they're going to get the crowd behind them, SEC atmosphere. Uh, TCU's got uh, their fun quarterback. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Kenny Trill, as he goes by. Kenny Hill is his real name. But we call him Trill because he sucks, and he's way overhyped. Um, I think he threw four touchdown passes last week. I don't think that's going to happen this week. I think they're going to pick him apart this week and probably hit him a little too hard. Um, so Arkansas in that matchup. Uh, A&M Nichols State reason I have that game is uh, A&M fan expectations can't be any lower at this point. Uh, I think uh, the Johnny Manziel era kind of hyped up A&M and got everybody going in the we can win in the SEC mode and we should win all these games. Um, and I think losing to UCLA finally leveled that expectations for expectation for most of the fans. So it'll be interesting to see uh, which direction someone who has still not been fired goes in with this game does he play the young quarterback um and get him some game reps and uh you know get a see what a kid can do who really did some special stuff last game uh for a guy who's a true freshman coming in uh, not being very successful and throwing the ball three of 17 but still realizing that he can run for a first down almost every single time he runs except the really time that mattered and uh, didn't get the, the six inches that he uh, missed at the end there. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see the development of that quarterback, and uh, I hope he plays a lot of this game. Uh, it'll also be good to see if uh, this the team, how the team handles this loss, because in the last three seasons they went and started out 5-0 five, five and oh or 6-0, and oh, 
and then they lost a game and they crushed and sucked against almost every single team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from this, if they bounce back, um, because even though it is Nickel State, um, in the Sumlin era, A&M has not fared well against the Nickel State of the world, even uh, especially after a loss. So um, depending on whether this is a blowout or a close win, will kind of tell us where, which direction the season's going and how the athletes are taking it in. All right. I'll take A&M in that matchup. Okay. I get that you're taking A&M, and I respect that. I'm going to make it a little interesting because it's a bit of a gimme, though. So I'll let you pick that game, but you got to give – got to pick the, uh, the over-under. Is it will Texas A&M score over 35 points or under 35 points? Will they win the game by that many? 35 points or more than 35 points or less than 35 points? Definitely loss. Okay. But you're, you're actually making it easy for me. You should make the margin lower. The reason I say that is because it's an easy choice. Uh, if we're beating them hard, which we usually are at school like Nichols or in Eastern Illinois, uh, New Mexico State, we're up 44 to 3 and a half. Someone will put in backups beginning of the third quarter, and they're not as good, so they'll start giving up points. That's why I say it's an easy choice. So give me a better choice. Make you, it, make you it harder. You don't think someone's going to try and prove something now that he's already blown, like screwed his the pooch on the game one? I don't know. No, if he doesn't get fired by the time this game starts, I think he's going to be pretty confident that he's not getting fired anytime in the next couple games. So I think he'll handle it just like he would handle any other game. And handling any other game means it doesn't matter if you're playing UConn or Cincinnati or Nichols, you got to get your back up some time. And by some time, I mean two quarters if you're up 44 to three at the half. All right. Fair enough. Now, Tommy, you're the one that's got like 30 games. All right. So what are your personal picks? So my personal picks this week is going to be the Pac-12 after dark segment. We've already gone through two of them, but Pac-12 after dark looks like it could be great this week. Uh, we kick it off at 10:15 with uh, Utah and BYU and the, the Battle of the Holy Wars. Uh, then we have at 10:30 a doubleheader between Boise State and Washington State, which we've also already picked, and Houston and Arizona. And uh, another fun fact that I love pointing out is that once again, ESPN thinks Arizona's going to win, and Vegas thinks Houston's going to win. Um, this could be a very interesting game. Uh, my prediction here is that uh, Houston will actually win this um, game and that there will be a grand total of four turnovers in this game um, by the two teams. Uh, and then after that, our true late game, San Diego State and Arizona State, um, in which point Arizona State actually has a three-and-a-half-point spread. I think Arizona um, State does actually beat San Diego State here. Um, but what is super interesting here is that both teams uh, have some fairly high-powered offenses, um, and I think we see a grand total of over six, we'll say, 700 yards between the two teams put up uh, in this game. So I think we see a lot of offense here. Um, I'm also taking the over on the 55-point uh, over-under. And I'm sorry, I didn't catch. You've got uh, Arizona State in that one? I do. 
Now, I will say I am a bit disappointed, Tommy, because I believe you actually missed one game that is also starting at 10 o'clock, and it's uh, P.J. Fleck going on the road to play the Beavers. And Oregon State's actually getting uh, two points in that one, which is shocking to me considering this is a team we were barely considering winning two games this year uh, against a P.J. Yeah, Fleck. see, I put, I put the cutoff at 10-15 just because it's Utah-BYU. Um, Pac-12 after dark really has to – to be a game that you're you're certain goes past midnight and i'm not sure at a 10 p.m they'll necessarily make it okay fair enough well if you don't want to pick it i'm not going to force you i just want i to... mean i'd pick pj fleck all day but it's not really in my pack 12 after dark and i thought four games would be enough anyway fair enough all right well nigel's got ucf at going over beating memphis I have no idea what his rationale is for that. He just kind of sent it out to me. So I assume he likes Central Florida for some reason. Maybe he believes that they're trying to conquer new lands now that they're going to be flooded after the hurricane. Hard to say. Uh, I'm also picking uh, South Carolina over Mizzou. So we all saw, believe it or not, all of us watched that Missouri uh, State-Mizzou matchup early on uh, Saturday surprisingly close no defense to be seen in that game uh i do believe i don't have a lot of expectations for south carolina i didn't come into the season i still don't even though they beat what some would consider to be a decent nc state team uh but after what i saw out of missouri missouri and how little they've developed how bad their defense is and i just don't believe their offense is going to perform the same way against a actual defense. I got to hand it to South Carolina. I think if they can run the ball like they did against NC state and if they can minimize turnovers, they should be able to win this game pretty handily. So I'm giving it to South Carolina. All right. Last up our big time matchup. And I know Tommy is going to be really upset with me, but uh, we've got, the independent Oklahoma going on the road to Ohio State. So Ohio State's currently getting seven points in this matchup, despite a lackluster performance many consider on the road at Indiana last week. Uh, Oklahoma, we haven't seen a ton out of. They obviously, they performed really well last week against, was it UTEP, I believe? But that doesn't give you a lot to go off of. So... This is going to be a big-time matchup, kind of determine where these teams are going to be headed for the rest of the season. Tommy, who do you have? Sorry, Artem, who do you have? Uh, well, I saw that Ohio State has a bye week this week, um, but if they were playing somebody, um, I think uh, J.K. Dobbins would run over anybody from a, a weaker conference for about oh, – 178 yards or so um, and win the game for Ohio State controlling the clock and all that fun stuff um, I think it's going to be a closer game than it was last year I don't think it's going to be a blowout but considering the fact that it is Ohio State at home I, I think their corners will mess up just enough plays to where they won't lose but just enough to where the game's close fair enough uh, nothing else to say. Andrew, since Tommy's kind of mysteriously vanished in the thin air, why didn't you give us your thoughts? You know, this is going to be Lincoln Riley's first big test 
as the head man at Oklahoma. You know, obviously playing UTEP at home really isn't going to be too much of a challenge. I mean, to the point that Baker Mayfield was 19 of 20, he had one incompletion. But I think going into the shoe is a completely different monster. I think it took a half for Ohio State to really get their feet underneath them, and the JT Bear really kind of came out. But I think Artem had it right. I think J.K. Dobbins is really going to be the factor in this. I think if they can get that run game going again, I think Ohio State's got a chance to to win the game fairly comfortably. You know, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think if Ohio State's able to run the ball consistently, then I think they're able to 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 kind of keep keep Oklahoma at arm's length. All right. Wow, I'm kind of surprised. I thought there would be more Oklahoma fans out there. Although I guess that's what I guess that's what some people get for OSU scheduling a bye week. Um, Nigel's got Oklahoma again. He didn't give me the reasoning. I'm picking Oklahoma just based purely off of what I saw in week one, which was a very disappointing performance by OSU, who was – I'm not going to knock Indiana. They've clearly – they've got a lot of talent on defense. But OSU should never have let them get that far ahead in the first quarter. It shouldn't have been that close, which is weird to say because I know it was only like a 10-point game. But still, if you're calling yourself like the number two team in the nation – that Indiana should never have been should never have had that much of a lead on you uh, when you've got all the recruiting talent and everything else. Uh, yeah, I'm just taking Oklahoma I, for something's telling me that they're gonna they're gonna come out on top in this matchup. Uh, and since Tommy's not here, I guess our cast will stand divided for the moment. You got something to say, Andrew? I, I thought you were clapping for a second. I wasn't sure what was going on. I mean, I think Tommy's picking a tie. He said, mm-hmm. I won't. I this won't is one of those non power <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. This is one of those games where I don't really like either team. I don't care for Ohio State, and I really don't like Baker Mayfield as a person. You know, great football player. Just seems kind of like jackass. You know, and, and I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, that's so, a. That- that's this a, is one of those games that if, if they could end up in a tie, I'd be perfectly okay with it. Or a, even if it got hurricaned out. Don't know how a hurricane's going to make it all the way, way to Ohio. <laughs> don't really care. Uh, it'll, uh, nature finds a way. It's going to be really interesting. There's going to be a lot of uh, adjustments in this game, so it'd be interesting to see how Lincoln Riley makes his first big adjustments going in. Last week he played Utah, and they were successful the whole time. Um, I'm not sure how much of an adjustment he has to make under pressure there. But playing a team like Ohio State, um, Ohio State, I think, is going to have to make adjustments and Oklahoma's going to make adjustments at the half because Ohio State's got those young corners who couldn't seem to stop a single pass in the first half of last game. Um, Oklahoma lost both of its starting running backs. Whoever is back there does not have as much experience as either of those guys did. And they're not going to be able to run as well against uh, Ohio State defensive line as they did against UTEP. So it's going to be kind of both teams trying to explore each other's weaknesses, and it just depends on how many people get hurt and who can make better adjustments as a coach. And Urban Meyer is just has a little bit more experience doing that. Okay, well, I mean, it's a hard call. We'll see how it plays out. This will definitely give us a much better picture of what the NCAA is going to look like moving forward. Let's see. Wait, is that Tommy? I think that's Tommy. Oh, is that Tommy? Hi, I'm Tommy. Woohoo! I'm picking Oklahoma. Woohoo! No, wait, that was Mickey Mouse. My bad. 
It's like that sounds like Tommy. <laughs> All right. With that, on the that note, Tommy impression I've ever seen. <laughs> on that note, good night. <laughs> it's, thank you as always to you guys for listening to this BS, and uh, we hope you have a good rest of your week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>